right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast. Today, we are joined by a very special guest who I actually met a few years ago as uh, my brother and I uh, happened to cross paths. His name is Ben Heck, and if you've heard of him before, uh, he has a YouTube channel called Ben Heck Hacks. He's also host of The Ben Heck Show, as well as podcasts, well, actually, The Ben Heck Podcast and Sonic Boom. And uh, yeah, he's a Wisconsin native joining us with one of his favorite beers today. Ben Heck, how are we doing? Well, I don't know if this is my favorite beer because this is a brand new beer that came out today. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm interested to hear what, what kind it is. What have we got going? Okay, well, it's from New Glarus, which as you guys know, is only That's sold in Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so it's called Gyrator, but it's... Wait, how do you spell Gyrator? Is it a... G-Y? Yeah, gyro, because it's like, you know, that gyrosphere thing. Or like, oh. I'm thinking gyrator, it's all hips. That's what that thing is. <laughs> yeah. So you they, know, went, they didn't I, go all hops, they went all hips on this drink. I don't think I've ever spelled out the word gyrate before in my entire life. So I look at this and I wonder, it's like it's like a cross between like a, a helicopter and a gyro or a gyro. Anyway, there's a picture of a fish on it. It looks like a largemouth bass. And it's a purple label. So I'm going to try it live right now okay there you go. all right so it's a it's a dark it's a doppelbach it's not a dark doppelbach which of course is german for double mm -hmm. mm. it's pretty good it doesn't have the apv listed on the bottle okay i'm gonna guess it's at least a 7.4 okay interesting so we're not quite to the point where you need to floss after drinking it, but we're probably feeling pretty good after a couple of those. <laughs> oh, oh, I just got the latent. Oh, yeah, it's strong. Oh, now it's in. <laughs> it might be above an eight, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, yeah. what did you guys want to talk about on the show? Yeah, well, you know, I, I've had a chance to, you know, witness mm -hmm. you in person, but also from afar, because uh, as we mentioned before, your YouTube channel is pretty awesome because, I mean, you're you're basically Which one? like the old one or the new one. I, oh, I mean, the, the old one is the one that I have kind of followed with uh, the just, corporate uh, one. Uh, ben Heck Hacks is the one that I. Oh, that's my that's my personal channel. I mean, I did the Element 14, uh, Ben Heck show on Element 14 for like eight years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was Remember that was that. in 2000, 2010 to 2008. I'm sorry, two, 2010 to 2008. Yeah, I went backwards in time. Uh, <laughs> 2010 to 2018. Uh, that was my corporate show. But the whole time yeah. I had my own YouTube channel from like 2008 mm -hmm. where I just put stuff. Yeah. So anyway, about a year after I stopped doing the show, I started putting my own videos on my own channel again, and that's Ben Heck Hacks. So for the for new videos, that's that's where you can find me. Although I only post videos when I feel like it now. I mean, that's the um, life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you you have no corporate sponsor to say you need a video every two days, son. Otherwise, this every, sweet fat deal is dead. Every week, <laughs> yeah. And then to take a week off, we had to bank extra episodes. So. Whew. It was uh, quite the, and of course we were building things as well. We weren't just like, mm -hmm. you know how half of YouTube is just people reading like Otaku articles back into a webcam. Like we were actually producing and building. So it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what I, I think was really cool about your channel because at that point in time, my, my brother and I, like we just kind of found you by chance and we we're both pretty big retro gamers. Uh, and when I say big, like we were really big dudes back then too. I think, 
I think we were both about 500 pounds combined, yeah. but physically uh, and enthusiastically. Yeah. Big. Yeah. A lot of literally and figuratively. <laughs> yeah. So you were throwing, you were throwing your weight behind your hobby. Is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, we did. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but, but back then though, like, you know, console, uh, modding or console modifications, like th these weren't really, uh, like I, would, I don't know what we'll call it mainstream, but I mean, there just wasn't a whole lot of it for us to consume outside of stuff that just happened to escape Japan. And uh, back yeah, then, most remember... of it involved piracy. You know, yeah. it was, there wasn't <laughs> yeah. very much altruistic console modding back in like the nineties. <laughs> yes, yes. Which, which actually that that lends to an interesting point too, because you've you've actually dedicated a good amount of time to making consoles portable. And uh, to your point about that, we actually got our hands on a, uh, a what was called a Dreamcast, not a Dreamcast, a Dreamcast, which that was sounds a, familiar. Yeah, a portable bootlegged uh, Dreamcast system. Oh, you mean like from China? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I, th I thought I heard. I thought I've heard of that before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. That's well. That's when I kind of got my start on the internet. Was I did? Uh, I think it was Atari. Yeah, tw Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Mm -hmm. I made a portable version of that. Actually, I still have it here in my office. It's in my office, so my cat doesn't break it. Um, I don't allow him in here, and that was that was in 2000. And yeah, so I did I did a lot of those portables for probably about the first eight years, mm -hmm. and then I kind of transitioned into other things as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, you trying to make a Nintendo 64 portable, and that was just uh, oh god. I felt the pain. I felt the pain through the YouTube uh, channel. Granted, I would have given up as soon as uh, you went to make the RAM like fold over. <laughs> Oh, and the, like, yeah. the, like the pins and things didn't line up like, well, this won't work. So I guess this project shot. Thanks for tuning in next time. We're just going to put cheese on a cracker and see if you watch the whole time. Yeah. That the, the N64 had Ram bus, which was a mm -hmm. nine bit serial bus of Ram. And it required a termination on the end of it. Kind of like old SCSI drive used to have. So that's why you had to have the jumper pack in your N64. Otherwise it wouldn't boot. That was actually a terminator block. Not like I am the Terminator, but you know, like ter Terminator <laughs> from mm -hmm. like, like think like a SCSI drive. I don't know if you guys are that. Well, you seem like you're kind of old school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, we had the, we had like the BenHeck.com forums, you know, the sevenletter.com. That's why mm -hmm. people started calling me Ben Heck. And uh, we had a lot of people on those forums. Um, it's not active anymore. I mean, the forums are still online, actually, because there's, there's still a lot of links to it. But a lot of those guys continue to build portables to this day and they've made amazing things far beyond anything I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And we actually had back in the day, like early two thousands, we had like Adafruit was on there and uh, Palmer lucky, the uh, guy who invented the Oculus rift. Mm -hmm. Like when he was like a, a 12, that guy's like not very old at all. Wow. Oh, wow. No yeah. He's like not. really young. <laughs> wow. I think Good he was him. like, <laughs> I think he was like 19 when the Oculus was like a, a Kickstarter. No way. <laughs> oh yeah, he's <laughs> that's insane. He's good for yeah, him. He's super young. Yeah. So he's he's a very smart dude. I mean, I know it's a bit controversial, but he's a really intelligent guy. But yeah, so um so I I did that. I started it, but then all these other people have kind of carried the torch and they're doing well, when you bring up the N64, there's people that can like do those do N64 mods in their sleep. They're way better at it than I am because I kind of stopped. Basically, my skills in that field atrophied mm -hmm. for like the last 12 years because I yeah. stopped doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's called Bit Built. Do you guys go to MGC here in Wisconsin? Mm -mm. No. Oh, mm -hmm. the Midwest Gaming Classic, the game, the gaming show. Oh, oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I've been there before. 
Sorry, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm horrible with abbreviations. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah, so the BitBuilt group, which is kind of like the evolution of mild forums, uh, they still have a room there every year. So you can go in there and like, they've got like Nintendo Wii's, they've shrunk down into an Altoids tin. It's insane what they've <laughs> wow. done. Yeah, it's... Wow, yeah. They, yeah, it's like they, they bought a bunch of Wii's. I think a Wii is a four-layer board. It might be six. And they actually sanded all these PCBs of the Wii, basically destroyed them one by one to look at all the traces so they could reverse engineer the, the schematics. And then from that, they're able to figure out how to very aggressively miniaturize it. it they, yeah, so yes, they actually have it where a battery, what's left of the Wii, a screen, controls, all fits into an Altoids tin. It's nuts what they've accomplished. Wow. Yeah, I, I can't right. can't even imagine. <laughs> That's I, I can't either. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I well, consent, uh, confession time. I'm not like a big Nintendo fan, so that's why I, I don't really, I don't like try to get good at the N64 or the Wii because I don't really give a crap about those consoles. Uh, but I'm just saying, yeah, bit built. You guys should check it out. Very impressive stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, the Wii was a gimmick anyway. We all knew it. <laughs> it was game yeah, oh. motion controls fun. But I mean, the thing was what a repurposed GameCube with motion controls. It was an overclocked yeah. GameCube. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say, if anything, Ben, I don't think you need to feel bad about a company that mm. basically lives off of remakes and remasters these days. I mean, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't feel bad at all. But oh, I don't is, feel bad about not liking mm -hmm. Nintendo. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty, pretty outspoken about it. I think they basically <laughs> have a cult following like Apple. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I mean, I bought a Switch just because all my friends had one, you know, like jumping off a bridge. And yeah. I know there's a lot of YouTubers that just go mm -hmm. gaga for it, but it's like BFD, it's a big cell phone. Who cares? I don't mm -hmm. know. With really uncomfortable <laughs> controls. Uh, Nintendo kind of lost me like when they did the Game Boy Advance wasn't backlit. Yeah. And it's like, this is so stupid. Like they had, I mean, they had backlit PDAs back then. There's mm -hmm. no reason to come in backlit. And then lo and behold, a year and a half later, the Game Boy Advance SP, which was backlit mm -hmm. with light bulb batteries. So. <laughs> Ugh, just, yeah. just double, double, triple, quadruple dip, Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, this is part of the background that I was always interested in, Ben. Though, like looking at your your social media and some of the channels that you have out there, uh, was always interested about how you got into this. You know, when what was your inception point here? How 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 was technology? You know, the like what was the gateway you went through? Well, I was I was really big into tinkering with electronics when I was young, like when I was like seven, eight, nine, ten years old. I was going to Radio Shacks. I would get like those. Um, oh, what was it? We had the seventy-five and one those those kits where you like attach wires to the springs and make circuits. Like, I had one of those when I was like six or seven. I want to say really early on. So. Even I didn't really understand everything, but it got me excited about electronics. And I would like stick LEDs into light sockets and watch them burn up and smoke. <laughs> so I was, I was really into that, that and programming until I was born in 1975. So I was into that pretty hardcore until about 1990. And then I got this stupid phase where I wanted to like make indie films with my camcorder. And that. That never went anywhere, so that was kind of a waste, although I did learn some things along the way. So that would have been a good chunk of the 90s, but then in 2000, I, I, think I, just, what, I think I just finished an indie film, like one of my adventure films, and I'm like, I need a new project. And so 
this buddy of mine, I knew he had like an old Atari 2600 in like this junk room and we dug it out. And I think I gave him like a dollar for it. And uh, that's when I'm like, okay, I'm going to see if I can make this portable. Cause I want to say I was watching the green mile in the theaters and I was sitting there really bored. I'm like, this movie is so goddamn pretentious. I was so bored during that movie. I love, I, you know, uh, what was that? Mm -hmm. Frank, Frank Darabont directed that. Um, and he'd done yeah. the Shawshank Redemption. So this was supposed to be like the follow-up to Shawshank Redemption, but I thought it wasn't. I didn't think it was a zit on the ass of Shawshank Redemption personally. So I'm sitting there watching flies come out of this guy's mouth. And I'm like, God, I'm bored. But I was with friends, right? And I'm like, I wish I had my Game Boy with me. Oh, but the theater's dark. So I started thinking about like backlit game systems. This was, when was that? December 2000 or 1999 when that yeah that's when that came out mm -hmm. and so that's what kind of got me thinking about portable game systems and again this that was would have been between the game the game boy color and the game boy advance neither of which are backlit and then so i started thinking about it. i went to best buy in madison and i bought one of those casio pocket tvs i think it was like a casio ev 720 yeah it was like 150 dollars i'm like oh my god this is a lot of money you know, I could, <laughs> I could buy 20 gallons, 200 gallons of gas with this or whatever it was back then. Now you but, loaded the batteries into the front of those, didn't you? I, if I remember those correctly, like didn't, didn't the panel off the front come off oh, and that's where the batteries went? Yes. In? Cause I, yeah. I, again, I have a, it's, I'm just looking at my office. There's three AAs, which runs the screen. And then, yeah. oh God, there's a nine volt that runs the Atari. And that's a holdover from, I don't know if you saw my video where I attached the batteries to the Sega Genesis. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So when I was in high school, I was in band and choir, so I'm that kind of geek as well. I'm a super geek. Uh, There's a couple trips where I actually would like take my Nintendo or my Genesis or both. I can't remember which it was, and I would actually and I had like an old old pocket screen, like a really shitty one, like uh, you know, like from 1992. But they they did exist, and mm. I we would actually play the games on the bus during these long trips. And we would run the consoles off of like a nine volt battery. And I think you get about 45 minutes out of it because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> yeah. But with the TV, so there was actually kind of a kernel. That's why I made that video with the Genesis. I'm like, you know, because oh, I'll tell you what, I was at, I was a Goodwill. I was actually Goodwill Monona. And they had one of those screens. I guess, well, you guys may have seen the video, but I'll just reiterate it for your audience. Sure. Yeah, I think it was like July or August. So behind the glass, even they had this um 1997 model pocket tv uh didn't have active matrix it was like super twisted pneumatic mm -hmm. um and they had it for 25 dollars. and I, I was like nobody is gonna buy that but apparently that because they just pull prices out of their butt at goodwill yeah. Oh, yeah. so anyway but then about a month later i'm talking to my sister or my mom or someone and they're like oh well, we, we figured out this up north cabin trip um but it's gonna be your uncle bud and then your mom, and then your sister, and my niece. Um, and then I was thinking, oh, God, I remember when I was in high school, Bud would take me up to the cabin, like during the summer for like a week, and I would bring that rig, and I would play Road Rash. Yes. And so it was like going up north with my Uncle Bud, plus seeing that TV at Goodwill, it reminded me of those junky rigs I made back in the 90s. And so I'm like, you know what I should do? <laughs> I, should, <laughs> I, should, I should buy that thing. I should buy that thing and recreate that rig, you know, because basically there was like this confluence of events that maybe re mm -hmm. made remember that ancient project. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of 
where I had my impetus. But then in uh, 2000, I was working as a graphic artist and I was also doing, uh, <clears throat> what, what, oh, wait, you guys are in Wisconsin. I, I used to do all the menu board layouts for Culver's restaurants. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, from oh, 1998 to about 2000, when did I quit? 2004. Yeah. Yeah. So and the weird thing was I didn't actually read the menus. I just laid them out. So I had no idea what was on the menu. <laughs> it, it was like, you ever, you ever, I know it's weird. You ever hear that thing? It was like um, the monks back in the medieval times who would like make copies of the Bible before the Gutenberg press. <laughs> yeah. A lot yeah. of them were Never a lot of them it. were mm-hmm. were illiterate. Like they couldn't actually read, but they could reproduce the symbols or the glyphs to yeah. recreate books. And it was kind of like that for me. But anyway, so one of the things I would do, you know, how the Cul- Culver's uh, the sign is a, a oval, like a oval ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reason that is is because the first Culver's, which was in Sauk City, Craig Culver bought an old AMW, and he had no money. So to make the sign, <laughs> he had it. to pull out the AMW mm-hmm. sign and put his logo inside of the oval-shaped sign. That's why it's an oval. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's true. So w- one of the things I would do – okay, that segue does have a point. One of the things that I would do <laughs> is – um. I would have to design the aluminum files for CNC machining to mm-hmm, make yeah. those. Obviously, since they had like hundreds, well, back then they only had a couple hundred culvers, but I would design the files that would be put under the CNC machine so they could cut out the aluminum sections to make the rings to weld them together to make a big oval sign. Right? Yeah. So that's where mm-hmm. I got into like uh, CNC layout, mechanical design, even though I was a graphic artist, I was still doing that kind of stuff. And then I would hand it off to the welders. I, did, I didn't know how to weld at the time, but that wasn't sure. my job. So yeah, we had that CNC machine. And so what I would do is like, I would stay late and cut things with it. And that's when I built my first Atari portable out of acrylic. We had this leftover slab of like inch thick acrylic, well, acrylic. And it was like basically just garbage, but we had it. And I was like, hey, are we going to use that for anything? They're like, no. (laughs) So I actually used that to mill out the original Atari. So that's why I moved it into this room. If that thing fell more than three inches, it would probably shatter like a vase. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's like we had this chunk of basically leftover garbage, and uh, that's that's why we use it. Also, when I was still working there, if you remember my old stuff, I was really into brushed aluminum. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you guys, okay, you obviously know what Wisconsin Dells is, right? Yep. So for those who don't know, Wisconsin Dells is Illinois' playground. Yep, it is. It is the method by which Wisconsinites extract money from Chicagoans, <laughs> for whom we have a term we won't repeat here. Yep. Um, <laughs> but anyway, they had uh, they had all these signs they wanted, and they're, actually they're still there. They say Dell's River District. They're all over the Dells. Okay. And I want to say we built those in two thousand one or two thousand. Anyway, they're there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're still there. They've actually held up pretty well. Um, anyway, if you drive, actually, there's a lot of my signage in the Dells. Uh, I did uh, uh, Moose Jaw, Wizard Quest, Sorrentos. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There's probably some other stuff I can't think of right now. Anyway, so that those those were designed by an architect, and architects are really weird. Architects <laughs> and old school engineers are like very similar. It's like ones were the nerds in high school, and the other ones were the geeks. It's hard to explain. <laughs> so the, the nerds turn into in, into these weird architects. So anyway, we had all those signs, and the architects like 
Well, I want them to be exactly 23 inches wide by 38 inches tall. And whatever the measurement was, it was like, well, they come in sheets of this by this. So if you ah. change the dimensions by an inch, you could get way more out of the material. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, it has Ooh. to be that size. <laughs> so we ended up with mountains of scrap, 1 16th inch brushed aluminum. And so I would use the scrap for my projects as well. <laughs> and the funny thing is they had they had um uh, they were hanging these sheets of brushed aluminum which is quite heavy mm -hmm. off of these poles and they were actually fly blowing in the wind and like falling down and thankfully not on people yeah. and bending and then we actually had to well the architect had to pay for the project to be done twice because the architect architectural firm made the mistake we actually had to take them all down and then sandwich them in coroplast which is um, well, actually, not picoroplast, um, alumalite. You like you, you know, like that those signs, like for yard signs or political signs. It kind of, it's kind of like plastic cardboard. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a material called alumalite, which is that technically that's called decoroplast, the, the plastic stuff. And then we sandwich the coroplast with the aluminum pieces to basically make a stiff sandwich. And those are still up to this day. So anyway, oh, cool. since there was probably almost literally tons of brushed aluminum scraps laying around just because of this weird architect. I was like, Oh, I think I'll use this. <laughs> That's what got, hooked me, got me hooked on brushed aluminum. Nice. <laughs> I mean, I, you, you hear about these things. Um, Cause I, I used to be in, uh, in engineering staffing, like mm -hmm. specifically working with like senior level engineers. And sometimes mm -hmm. you hear about these, these crazy things. Like we've got more, more cold materials than we have in, you know, actually produced products, but whatever. That's, that sounds like that's pretty normal, but yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, yeah. that's pretty funny though. I mean, unfortunately yeah, for, <laughs> for suddenly, the suddenly the Ted Mosby character and Heimer trailer makes way more sense as to why he was this weird eccentric douchebag who needed everything done a certain way. Like, you know, mind, you know what? I thought this was a character, but apparently this is true. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I dealt with architects a lot when I was a graphic artist and they're all just kind of weird. They're, they're basically, they're basically like weird hippie artists, but they have good jobs. And <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, you ever watch always sunny in Philadelphia where, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Danny DeVito becomes an art critic with the white wig. Oh, yes. He's like, yes. crap, crap. It's yeah. kind of like that. And then he says, his air yeah. conditioner, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Derivative. This, I love this. Yeah. And the thing is, architects think they're good visual designers. So sometimes you'll get them to design a sign, but it has no legibility whatsoever. They always love really thin letters and thin strokes. And it's like, nobody can read can this. Read that. Exactly. <laughs> but they're like, nope, that's what we want. So, <laughs> it's a sign. You have uh, to be what right is next it? to it to read it. What are you thinking? Uh, <laughs> Highway Harry's. Ever see those yeah. signs around? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. that was one. That Actually, I think that was the same firm that did the Dell signs. Oh, what was that guy's yeah. name? I don't know. Yeah, I always gave him shit, though. Out in Johnson <laughs> Creek, I used to drive by that thing all the time, and I would look at that sign and go, why does that look that way? Because it doesn't it looks so strange. Like the, the Oh, yeah. The, the letters look the same as, like, the little martini glass that they have on there. So at first, I was going, like, I, I don't know if that's a letter or if that's something you drink out of. And over the years, I was like, okay, I get it now. But... I used yeah, to later yeah. you get it. Yeah. I used to yeah. have this philosophy. Well, the thing is, if the if the architect is like, that's what you want, then that's what you make. But my philosophy used to be, of course, back then we had like what 19, 21 inch monitors if we were lucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you 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 
roll your chair back and you squint your eyes and look at your screen and think, can I still read this? Right. <laughs> I see that. You know what? Actually, what I see, I see that now. So I guess we're just going to talk about graphics the whole time. Um, like with these modern pinball machines that have LCD screens on them, mm -hmm. like from Stern, Jersey Jack, Spooky has it now. And like Spooky did it with their Halloween game. Because you've got some guy sitting at his desk like we are right now, and he's looking at a monitor that's like 18 inches from his face, right? Mm -hmm. And then he's designing these – he or she is designing these graphics, and then – but it goes on to a pinball machine, which has this dinky-ass 15-inch screen that's four <laughs> feet from your face. And so many of these games have illegibly small text. It's like <laughs> – oh, like, no. You can't read this. Your your prime demo is like 45 to 60 years old. She's it's middle-aged guys with – diminishing eyesight come on <laughs> <sighs> well, i thought that with the culvers you know it's like you mm -hmm. got these old people that go in there and they they, they you, you can see them arc their heads forward and squint at the menu and <laughs> so like like when there's new people coming in i was like talking you know mm -hmm. talking to new employees i'm like pretend you're an old person yeah. <laughs> my other my other one was color is bullshit contrast is all that matters mm -hmm. like you would yeah. see that on the web back in the 90s it's like oh blue and red are two different colors let's use that for the text and background it'll be fine <laughs> you can't read anything <laughs> yeah. yeah meanwhile yeah, colorblind people are going what the hell am i looking at what's going yeah, on here just a screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh that, that reminds me yeah i i was diagnosed as partially colorblind in 2000 like yeah ages ago and then the optometrist is like well, you scored pretty poorly. What do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, I'm a graphic artist. And she's like, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was only about 50%, so it's not too bad. As long as I've got enough light, it's it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, but I guess, wow, see, I got really off tangent there. That went oh, from no. like, what, ovals to uh, architects. <laughs> that uh, could be your I'll, new that, podcast, that, from ovals to architects. I mean, that could be like the name of your autobiography. Yeah, Ben Hack from Ovals to Architects and everything and, in between. And, uh, and you, you know what? I think I have a really good uh, in route to the next topic, which is called "I'll Order the Combo" because uh, <laughs> you've got the NES, Tari. Uh, you have the Xbox 360, PS3, Wii U combination, and oh god, I <laughs> yes, I, I the all-in ones here. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to re-explore the headaches that must have gone into creating these. If if you're if you're willing, if you've yeah. got enough beer for this, we made the combo systems to troll people because people <laughs> will just—it's like the most unimaginative thing to ask. Can you combine X with Y? And so what I would do it, it would be like, "Fuck you, shut up." Here it is. <laughs> I, I think we, yeah, we did a show episode with that. Oh uh, yeah, I think it was yeah PlayStation Three, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, and. We or we you? I can't remember which one it was. I mean, it's I a forgettable system. I well, actually, yeah. um, I just the scalp prices came down to like not too horrible. I actually just ordered an Xbox Series S, so I can yeah. obviously make it into some sort of portable. I want to try to make it handheld. Ooh. It's pretty small. It might work if I can figure out how to power it. Anything's going to be more stylish than what it currently is that you do with it. So. At least we've got that to look forward to. Is it like it a big cube or something? It's just a, it's just a giant. Well, <laughs> like... no, there's two of them. There's the Xbox Series S and the Xbox Series X. Also, okay. whoever named those things, I cannot. Doesn't Microsoft have a trillion dollars? Like, don't they have a marketing department? <laughs> yep. S and X. Not just because it sounds like sex, but the letters, is... 
There's going to be an E somewhere. There's Xbox Series E, and you put them well, between the S and the X, and you the, have a good time. The letters sound the same. Imagine you're a grandma calling GameStop. Yes, do you have the Xbox Series X? Uh, we want the S or the X? Yes. Oh, the X or the <laughs> S like snake. <laughs> oh, you said sex, young man. You are a whippersnapper. <laughs> The, the, the allegory I always well it's not an allegory. Um, you ever hear that thing where it's like we're landing on runway five, nine, or six and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. So pilots say niner because if there's enough distortion, nine and five sound the same. Yep. Yeah, S and X. It's well, it's the Microsoft numbering department. One, two, three, ninety-five, ninety-eight. 2000 <laughs> seven eight oh ten. Oh my god yeah uh, uh but it, yeah so there's some stuff where we kind of do it to troll people or like the disc changer that episode is really popular we took that old uh sony cd changer we made it work with an xbox 360 because that was back before you could buy games digitally mm-hmm. that episode yeah. did really well like anything that's like just a weird kind of like this is stupid kind of project usually does pretty well mm-hmm just because people like to laugh at it. Yeah, weird so. works. <laughs> it was yeah. funny. That episode, um, oh, there was a, when was that? 2013? There was a political candidate. I can't remember his name. I think he was, I think he was Republican, but not like it really matters. But some political campaign actually grabbed a still photo of myself because I like covered myself with chips and like controllers and make myself look like the ultimate slob <laughs> for for that episode. And they actually mm-hmm. they actually took a screen grab of that and they're like, "This is lazy millennials or something." Even though I'm not a millennial, <laughs> and I, I actually thought it was really funny. But we had to you know politely ask them to take it down because also they didn't have permission. So mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah. I want to say it was like Herman Cain or someone. I don't. Uh, oh, Herman Cain. But, think, but the thing was yeah. funny. It's like I'm not even a millennial. <laughs> well, and, and, that's, and that's not even the worst thing his campaign would put out there. Because uh, a- after the show, we do we occasionally stay around after the show. And I actually showed both Joe and our co-host Chelsea, who couldn't be here tonight. Uh, I showed them the Herman Cain cigarette smoking ad. If you remember that from from his failed campaign. His his actual campaign manager sits there and smokes a cigarette into the camera, and they've got this awful music just blaring uh, during. <laughs> Why it. are they smoking a cigarette into the camera? Uh, your guess is as good as, good as mine. Because I have no. He's idea. a carefree man and a part of an old new generation. <laughs> <laughs> when I steal images off the internet, I like to do it with a smooth taste of Paul Malls. Yeah. Yep. And the next time we talk, I'll explain how the pyramids were made to house grain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or were they power generators with the hydrogen isotopes or whatever? <laughs> um Alien. yeah, so the, as far as the combo system, sometimes I kind of just did it for fun. I personally don't like them obviously because it's like you know, like whenever you other you know, we would we would we would put feelers out there, hey, what kind of projects would you like to see us do on the show? Which is good because then we didn't have to come up with ideas ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, Brilliant. Perfect. Like, yeah, ev- yeah. like ev- every, I would say conservatively, every third request was like, make a combination of this and this. There's one that Max and I, because most of us are still friends, Max and I still joke about to this day. It was 
You should make a bionic arm that can make toast in any location. <laughs> and we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so we, yeah, we probably like eight years later, we still joke about that. We certainly <laughs> didn't, for, we didn't forget it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the person who just that like, goes through their entire life. Like, fuck, I wish I had toast right now. And I, I don't want to make it myself. If only I had a robotic arm. I think just make me toast. I want to say maybe it was like when Metal Gear Solid Five came out and he had that robot arm. I want to say maybe that's why they requested it. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm actually crying. This <laughs> 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 doesn't happen to me. Yeah, maybe maybe the, the arm would have a geo blocker. I was like, sorry, you cannot make toast in Idaho. <laughs> It's <laughs> like, God damn it, I wish my robot arm could make toast wherever I am. Regardless, regardless of which it's like how they have different shows on Netflix in Australia. <laughs> it's region block for making toast. <laughs> Unless you root kit your bionic arm. <laughs> Are you tired of your bionic arm only being able to make toast in certain locations? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you used a PlayStation 4 for part of the programming, so it only makes you switch codes three times before it makes you stick with it. Uh, you know, actually, the funniest the funniest thing that ever happened for me on the show, uh, it was when we made the automatic dog door open here. <laughs> the idea was, it was like, okay, oh yeah, it was, it was going to be a doggy door, but it had a lock on it, so like really skinny burglars couldn't break into your house or something. And the how we did it was you know like the way they have those buried electric uh dog perimeters you know like you bury yeah. a wire and it zaps them yeah yeah invisible fence yeah not, so we got mm -hmm. how do we do it we combined two things oh yeah we we bought we bought the uh, proximity collar we took out the zapper and we put it in a, i think we put it in like an adafruit key fob so when the dog got close to the door it would press a key fob button which sent a signal to open the door open a solenoid Right. Mm -hmm. So um, this is when Allison was still filming on the show. So her mom has like a standard poodle, which is like a big poodle. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so um, Lola. So her mom brings Lola there to be the, the guinea dog. And uh, we put the collar on it and we're trying to get it to go through the door. But of course, we didn't realize this would be really hard to make an animal do for the first time. And so... <laughs> And so we're filming it. We're just trying to get the shot, you know, because mm -hmm. the dog would walk up to the door, but then it would get scared when the door act activated. And we didn't take that into account because we were dumb. <laughs> and so anyway, Allison's mom is there. And we always joke that her mom is mean, right? And so we're trying to get the shot. And then, <laughs> and then, and then Allison's like trying to gently coax the dog to go through the door. And then her mom is, is kind of like the emperor from Star Wars. And she's just like, just push that dog through the door already. <laughs> and, then, and then Allison like almost and Allison almost starts crying and she's like, I can't. It hurts my heart. <laughs> and the mom just back there, do yeah. it. Yeah, do it. Do it. Do it. It, was, it was basically what it was like. And then I'm just over in the corner. I'm just dying laughing. It's, it's so dark and funny. I've been I've always been reduced to tears twice, Ben, and we've only been doing this for about a half an hour. Like, hats <laughs> off to you. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I'm just I'm just trying to tell you the best stories that I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
okay, so this is this is one that I I absolutely wanted to hear about was uh, in 2015, mm-hmm. you were entrusted with the Super NES CD-ROM restoration, Ooh. one of the only ones known to still exist, and I think it was I a went, year or two after that, but yes. Oh, I want I wanted to get into your head on this one because <laughs> I, I mean, what what did that feel like in that moment, knowing that? I mean, you you basically had like the footage to JFK's assassination, like you <laughs> like like you had like a historical thing in front of you that that very few have seen. Like, what was that like? Well, my first my main thought was if the shop's liability insurance would cover it if I destroyed it. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was my first thought. What did, what did they get out of that? Like three hundred grand or something? Oh, I'd have to look back. I'm I think not the sure. guy, I think the guy who bought it actually emailed me. He's I, I believe it's the guy who f- founded pets.com back in the first dot com oh. craze. Oh, yeah. the original dot com bubble. Yeah, it was like yeah. 2000 or 1999 and it was like, you know, dancingbaby.com, you know, oh, what's your startup? Oh, well, it's a website we can watch a dancing baby. Oh, okay, here's 20 million dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um how did I feel? Well, first of all, we, we met those guys at MGC 2016. And I want to say we did the repair later that fall. We had them come back. And they had it They had it at MGC. And that was the MGC I almost missed because I actually had a TED Talk the same weekend. Well, TEDx. Yeah. But I was able to, like, fly back and get there in time for the after party, which is actually where I met those guys. And so the next day they were demonstrating it. But I don't, I don't even think they had the... They couldn't even get it to turn on. Mm-hmm. And I was just watching them talk about it. And I was just like, oh, my God, these guys don't know anything about this. It's like this is ah. – it would be like, you know, if a farmer found a Monet in his shed and then he used yeah. it to, like, milk his cows under it. You know, like <laughs> that's kind of what – well, mm-hmm. I mean, that's actually kind of a thing, like farmers finding, like, Monets and Degas and Picasso's. It actually happens. Yeah. And it kind of made, made, made me think like that because it's the video game equivalent. And so we talked to those guys, and I think their main thing was, I think, well, wait, the one guy, yeah, Terry died. So I guess I can say whatever I want now. Um, They kind of just, I think they wanted to see how much money they could get out of it. But I was like, oh, man, you got to see if you can get this thing working. Like, this is, it belongs in a museum or, you know, whatever they say. (laughs) And so I think we had them bring it, like, twice. And I think it took me a couple tries, but... I, yeah, I mostly, I was mostly concerned about not. I didn't want to destroy it, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the ironic thing is, like in the story, Dan. Oh no, not Terry. Terry, yeah, Terry Dibel. He had, I think, he had it in a box of dishes, and it had been in his attic for like three years. The capacitor oh. damage that happened was because it was stored in an attic. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. over. It was basically um, the way in which. So the problem with it was that it had had a bunch of failed capacitors, quite a few. Yeah. The way they were damaged was by heat, not by age. Because at that time, that device was only, what, uh, 24 years old, Mm -hmm. which isn't really old enough for capacitors. And obviously, it's made by Sony, so they're not going to use shitty capacitors. So, yeah. Yeah. So ironically, by storing it in the attic, he caused damage to it. So had he not done that, they probably wouldn't need my help at all. But, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was I was honored. I think really, it's like I was in the right place at the right time, and also I was not afraid to work on it. Yeah, 
So uh, yeah, I've actually fixed uh, I fixed a, a couple other rare consoles since then, like the um, the RDI Halcyon. I did that last fall, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that failed laser disc system. I think there's only like four of those mm-hmm. in existence. I say yeah. I've never heard of that one. Like I remember Laserdisc and my high school Spanish teacher thinking this was the next big thing. That just because <laughs> physically the discs were huge, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, it was it was the same company that or one of the people involved with uh, Space Ace. They made this. It was a video game console. You'd attach it to a certain model Pioneer Laserdisc. And it would basically play the laziest games in your home, but it was really jankily made. And obviously that's, it had like a speech synthesis chip and it was supposed to be able to recognize speech, uh, but it didn't have any video overlay. So compared to like the MSX, you know, the Japanese computer, compared to the MSX laziness implementation, it was pretty poor, but whatever, it doesn't matter if it's a piece of crap, it's super rare. And mm-hmm. uh, I actually had a guy, uh, I, well, actually I've, I can't remember if it was broken. I remember I had to figure out how to get the speech off of it. Because it wasn't, it wasn't even finished enough for the speech to be overlaid with the audio coming off of the Laserdisc. So there was actually ports in the back where it would have had uh, RCA jacks. So I actually created, I created a perf board that would fit into those jacks to basically complete it as, as close as I could to what it probably was intended to be. Uh, yeah, and actually some guy wants me to fix... Oh, oh, Super Graphics, some guy wants me to fix. FM Towns Marty... There's another really good. Oh God! Someone, someone had a Panasonic uh, 3DO M2. They wanted me to try to fix Ooh. that. I was a little nervous about that. I haven't, I haven't actually followed up on that yet. So, um, but yeah, I've actually gotten a decent amount of uh, requests, and I, I did, I do it for free. If you send, send me something rare enough, as long as I can make a video about it, I'll do it for free. Because it's, yeah. just, it's just an honor to do it. I think. Which is ironically how we met uh, yeah. years ago when, when you're. <laughs> Making a call out for uh, a virtual boy to come through your doors. Here we are with. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and now it grew up into be a virtual man after it's passed through your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little boy, but now I am a man. <laughs> we're always sunny for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I mean, that. that I, oh yeah, and then the, uh, yeah, I had, what was the fix? Oh yeah, I had to three D print a compression bracket for the adhesive ribbon cable mounts between the circuit board and the LEDs that actually make the display, which is, yeah. uh, that's also what causes a lot of old TI graphing calculators to fail. I mean, the ribbon cable is, uses a conductive adhesive to attach to the boards and yeah. basically it fails and you can either replace it or you can just increase the pressure and make it have contact again. Conductive adhesive just sounds like the dumbest smart idea ever. Like, yeah, it's easy because, you know, it's adhesive. It's already there and it's conductive. It'll be great. Except, you know, if it conducts electricity and heats up because it's a conductor. <laughs> but, well, and- they, they just do it to be cheap. You know, <laughs> yeah, the reason yeah. is always mm-hmm. cheapness. Oh, yeah. Because well, conne- connectors are expensive. Connectors oh, are some of the most expensive things mm-hmm. in a device. No, and it's like right up there with me explaining to my kids what military grade meant uh, uh, in my science class. And some of them some are like, oh, just means it's really good. I'm like, it means it's really good for very cheap. So that tells you how good it actually is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, it has a wider yeah. range of heat. Range, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, well, heat ranges. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, this is basically why anyone who had an Xbox 360 for longer than a couple hours had a paperweight because... <laughs> Because of, of of thermal paste, just not mm-hmm. keeping up for very long, and well, yeah, it was also in a red was, ring of death. 
Yeah. Xbox 360 was also one of the first mass market uh, lead-free electronic devices. So yeah. it was like a whole new world um, yeah. with how the reflow would work. And um, that was one of the that was one of the reasons why you could fix it with an oven. You basically had to reflow it. But of course, lead-free solder takes a higher temperature to reflow. So um, well, there's other issues as well. Oh, like the bracket, a, the bracket on, on the on the board itself would well, yeah, and yeah. The, the cooling for the GPU was a joke. Um, well, that's a perfect example of something that was designed first and engineered second. You know, yeah. ooh, make it look like this curvy eye, and then <laughs> fit the electronics inside of it. That's why you had that joke of a heat sink on the GPU, yeah. which was under the disk drive, and then the fan allegedly was supposed to suck. That was another thing about that: the the fan pulled air away from them and out the back. So, which means yeah. if you didn't have enough airflow in the front, bring new air in, you would have a problem. Yeah, basically, if you owned a cat, you're <laughs> fucked after a while. It was just going to happen, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and and nothing to do with the cat actually screwing with it. Just hair, just, just hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I got a cat last year actually, and I've noticed that too. Like the hair just gets everywhere. It's everywhere. ridiculous. Yep, I have yes. a I have a corgi, and it's nothing but hair all over the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I got my cat a Roomba for a brother and to suck up a tear. <laughs> Although it didn't take him very long to figure out how to turn it on. So oh, at, fi at 5.30 in the morning after I don't let him you know, stay in my room because he tries to lick me awake, guess, <laughs> yeah. guess what he goes and does? He's on the robot. <laughs> like, I'll Wait, turn seven. on my other friend. <laughs> yep. It's pretty crazy. I I had it in my notes to ask how you enjoyed being a cat dad because uh, isn't Bud cat the name dad. of your cat? Yeah. 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 Well, speaking, speaking of anniversaries, I got him the day after September 11th, September 12th. So I'll always remember when I got him. Oh, man. <laughs> nothing, uh, yeah. Nothing quite like a national tragedy to remember a birthday, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah. not his birthday. That's when I. Oh, sorry. The adoption. When birthday. I got yeah. him. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's been pretty good. He's pretty big now. I think he's probably close to 15 pounds. He's a pretty big cat. Ooh. Wow. Are you, are you giving him quite a few greenies then? <laughs> he's, not, size. he's not really fat. He's just he's big. Just, he's a See, bulky guy. My, okay. But that's what my parents said for a long time. And then we look back <laughs> at the pictures and we go, how could you love me? How could you let this happen? <laughs> I think the last time I, last time I weighed him, he was 13 pounds. So I, I would bet he's pushing 15. I mean, um, he's, he's usually pretty good. There's like, I won't let him in this room because this room actually from the episode where we made the automatic plant rotator, that plant is still in here. Oh yeah. 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 yeah that plant that. is like six foot tall now. Ooh, um, awesome. And it, it used to have three stalks before bud attacked it. So now it's down <laughs> to two. Oh, it's really sad. He, he ripped one of the stalks in half, but then it started to grow leaves back. But then he would eat the leaves, so that whole stalk basically died because it couldn't get photogenesis yeah. or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I basically don't want him in here. There's too much room to destroy. <laughs> but he, he likes the Roomba, but he's also really friendly. I guess like if you have an orange male cat, they're either like super, super friendly or they stay away from him. Like no matter who comes over, like if it's someone he's never met before, he just runs right up to him no matter what. So he's really yep. friendly. Yeah, I, I'd say orange tabbies, man. Like you said, they're either like your best friend or like, nah, dude, I'm cool on my own. I'm gonna hang out over here. You do yeah. you. Or or they're advertising national brands of cat food. I mean, they could be doing that, or they hate Mondays and love lasagna. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I will admit, I wish I wish Bud had a switch where I could turn him turn off his needy mode. <laughs> like if if I if I open my door right now, 
He'll be laying against the door jam, you know, like when you're in college and you put down the towels so people can't smell mm-hmm. the pot. Like you could do that with you could do that with Bud. He like lays against the door outside just like that. I guarantee that's where he is right now. So. Oh my gosh. Okay, but here's something, Ben. That I, I'm I, I, I this is not meant to be humorous at all, but it probably will come across that way. I think he's needy because he wants to know where he can find your independent films. You mentioned it briefly. Oh, but I mean, you you came out. I mean, we're talking about films that. Uh, have some pretty awesome like antagonists in the form of a giant you know possum uh, oh yeah possumus well possumus man and the sequel possumus woman yeah it was the first gender flipped movie long before it was popular in hollywood <laughs> <laughs> I, I was yeah. gonna say you got you got people like spielberg you know we, we we've we've got you just mentioned a couple of your favorites like I, I think your name should be up there i happened to see some of these uh a, a few years ago when you had them posted and I actually really enjoyed these films, I, I man. Think Seriously, I, there some of them are on YouTube. YouTube, what was it like? I tried to post Port Washington because everyone asked about that one, but yeah. I want to say Warner Brothers is the worst. Well, Warner Brothers and Nintendo. No, Warner Brothers is worst when it comes to like, like if you if you put up a video that has any Warner music in it, mm-hmm. they will they won't just they won't just demonetize it. They will take the video will be gone. Ooh, wow. And so I think, I think we had a song in there from them. Like they actually, uh, when we did the uh, Alice Cooper pinball machine, spooky pinball made a uh, promo video for it and put it on YouTube and Warner brothers struck down the video. Wow. <laughs> because Alice Cooper is through Warner brother, Warner music publishing, even though the machine was fully licensed, it still got hit and they actually had to manually get WB to, uh, unban it so wow so crazy i I think i think possumous man possumous woman i think the two adventure movies i think lives you to death so most of them are on youtube yeah, saw, just go to Ben Heck Hacks and dig around. You'll find them. I saw Lizard of Death actually uh shortly after I moved up here. So I, I didn't live oh my in Wisconsin. Gosh. Yeah, I didn't live in Wisconsin until uh until well, I was born here but not raised military brat. So uh in 2006 I moved back and I and I found it uh not not too much uh longer before I found your initial you know YouTube channel. So so you were looking for it or how did you come across I, no, it? I I've got friends in college that happened to find a lot of independent films uh and this would kind of lead into me finding more indie films just just by chance and so if i could find a film and someone goes hey i just watched this i'd go okay i'll give it a shot so yeah i I, here i am watching lizard of death and then when i found your youtube channel years later i went i I never made the connection i seriously (laughs) did not make the connection i had no idea (laughs) so what, uh, what did you think of it I think your movies are great. And this isn't just me going like, I, I just think it's hilarious because it, it's reminiscent of uh, like Trey Parker, for example. Trey Parker, when he was in film school, he took, uh, we, we actually covered this in one of our episodes, how uh, it was a giant beavers show of Southern Sri Lanka. I think it was the, the name of his, one of his early films. Maybe. And, and just, yeah, just, just these creative ideas of taking things that you wouldn't typically see in a movie and mm-hmm. and having an idea around it and, and i i mean i i think it's it's awesome and hilarious the reason why i mentioned the lizard of death specifically is because joe's a huge godzilla fan do love and, me some big old monsters i was gonna say <laughs> yeah 
Blizzard of Death, Joe. I mean, you would be right at home watching this movie. Like, it's it's this would be total you. So I I, I, could, <laughs> I could see you enjoying this. I probably would. I, I, yeah, big like. So, Lizard of Death was this? Did you get a dude in a suit, or how did you do Lizard of Death? No, it was like a puppet. I want to say with someone's oh, okay. hand up its ass. <laughs> I mean, that was the first gods of the movie. There was a dude with a hand up a lizard's ass for for a few scenes. I, well, I do, I do think yeah. that was probably the best one that I made. I think it's probably my person. Yeah, it is my personal favorite. Oh, uh, why did we do that? Oh, I was. I mean, you'll be shocked to know I'm a big mystery science theater fan. Oh, um, nice. So we had done some indie films before, like those action movies. And I thought, has anyone ever tried to make like an old bad movie, right? Yeah. But what really sucked is the same year we did that was the same year that, oh, what was that other movie? Someone else did it the same year we did. Like It was like Destination Mars. Is that the name of it? You ever hear that one? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I can't say I'm familiar with that one. Uh, let me just Google it real quick. I think that's what it was called. Destination Mars. Ah, uh, maybe it's something else. Ah, uh, or what's another one like the lost skeleton of Cadavera? Um, so we we did that, but then yeah, someone else. I can't. There was another one made that same year, and we were really heartbroken because we thought we'd done it first. And of course, everyone remembers the other one, except for you guys. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we we did take it to the we did take it to the Wisconsin Film Festival, so that was cool. Uh, oh, yeah, two thousand. Yeah, the fall of two thousand. Yeah, but the thought was, um, yeah, could we make could we make a a nineteen fifties like a period film bad movie? And then yeah. we just came up with a really a really simple plot and. But my big well shit, I was how old was I when I did that? Twenty four? I was pretty young. Um uh the, the 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 big thing I wanted to do with that was I wanted to make it um I didn't want it to be like a joke. Like yeah. I can't remember what the other movie yeah Destination Mars or something, I don't know. But that movie, for instance, there was a scene, because there's always a scene where someone's talking to a scientist, right, in the laboratory. Yeah, and every time it cut back to this other guy, the clock on the wall would change, right? <laughs> and it's like that—that that was the joke. But but what we thought about was like that wouldn't happen. Like in a bad movie, the clock would never change. It mm -hmm. wouldn't continue yeah. to change. It wouldn't yeah. change by six hours. So we tried to avoid that kind of stuff completely. We were like, okay, what we're trying to think about, what, like what makes the movie bad. And yeah. it's basically you just make a really dumb, cheesy movie. You give it terrible dialogue. Like if you if That'll you watch like <laughs> yeah, like if if you if you watch um, like the commentary for Ed Wood, which actually is my favorite movie. Um, yeah. The guys who wrote that movie, I think they did like Child's Play or one of those like bratty kids mm -hmm. movies from like the early nineties. Yeah, and um, they're talking about how they were writing it, and then it kept getting rewritten. And then it got taken away from them. And then when, when, the one that, when they went to see it in the theater, it was like, of course, it was completely different. It was worse. And that experience is what actually wanted, wanted to make them write a script about Ed Wood. Like, why a movie is bad. Like, mm -hmm. rather than... Because it usually comes from, like, a place of, like, earnesty. Like, if you're, have you seen Birdemic? 
for instance. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. That guy clearly, like, really loves the environment and stuff. And because uh, so, so he was trying to tell, like, an environmental message, which I guess is good. But yeah. the earnesty combined with terrible filmmaking is what makes yeah. that movie so bad. So the thing is, when you purposely try to make a bad movie, you usually don't do a very good job. So we were just trying to make it really honest. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it was fun because we had, like, a little model city and we had like some old cars and hubcaps and old timey costumes. And it was fun to make. I think we did the whole thing in like four months. Oh, wow. That's and, yeah. and that's like, that's what I thought was cool. Cause I remember reading into this once, um, when you ended up doing the, uh, posthumous woman, wasn't that mostly like improvised? You guys didn't actually do, we had no script, no script. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And, we had, so, yeah. I think we had, uh, we had two storyboarded sequences because my my buddy Mike, who plays like the dumb redneck guy, um, uh, he was like, "I'll only do a, a sequel if there's no script," and I'm like, "Okay, fine, yeah, that's <laughs> deal. <laughs> we can work that." <laughs> but it worked. So basically, there was an outline, and I think there were storyboards for some of it, but most of it we just went off the outline. And then it somehow worked, and. That that one we shot super fast because we did Port Washington after Lizard of Death, and that took us like three years to finish, which always wow. happens with independent films. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes. So when we did Posmus Woman, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take everything I learned from making Port Washington and not do it. And yeah, I think we cranked that out in like 10 weeks or something. Wow. We made it incredibly quickly. Yeah. You know? That one was fun because, oh, because I just seen Indiana Jones in the Temple of the Crystal Skull or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Spielberg was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be practical. It's got practical. And then that movie's a big CGI shit oh, fest. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. And now we got Indiana Jones with the CGI indie apparently being made. But I'd, I'd just seen mm -hmm. that movie and I was like, ugh. So I think Possumus Woman only has. It only has, I want to say, three green screen shots. Three green screen shots, and I want to say like 60 or 70 optical effects. That's it. Wow. Everything else was done in camera. Wow. wow. It was, and it was just fun to do it that way. It was, that was yeah. actually the first movie we shot um, in 720p progressive scan, 24 frames a second with the Panasonic P2 camera. So it was also our first completely non, our uh, solid state, first solid state digital movie as well. Wow, that yeah, well, was fun. I was gonna say I, I I've never gotten past like just a handheld movie creation before, um, but but I I thought it was really cool that you you kind of wove this in, you know, that you're always kind of doing these things behind the scenes, and and the fact that I I saw this first didn't even know it was yours until years later, and I think it just kind of speaks to the the amount of creativity you have and the amount of range you have and just your projects and what you focus on. Um, oh, thanks. So, so yeah, seriously, like I, I just, it's, it's, it's not something I was expecting. I'll put it mm -hmm. that way. Like I wasn't expecting to see a movie from you and then, <laughs> and, and then, and then meet mm -hmm. you years later because of a virtual boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, fun yeah. fact, we were, we were going to shoot Possumus three this year, but we oh. pushed it back because of, unprecedented times oh yeah so we are actually going to finish that trilogy it's possumus men is the final Ooh. chapter Ooh. 
Yep. So it might not. The only reason we picked 2021 is because it was 13 years between the first one and the second one. So we just added 13. Yeah. We actually yeah. shot a flashback for it in 2010. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. So, awesome. yeah. So the, the gag was because even then we're like, okay, 2021. It's like my buddy of mine who's like a Rolls Royce engine technician now. Like, okay, we need to explain how you survived between the movies. So we we filmed him like surviving in the wilderness, and then he he breaks a hootie in the blowfish disc. No, no, he died in the first movie, which is 1995. So yeah, he takes a hootie in the blowfish CD and he makes it into a spear, and then he like throws it at a chipmunk. And we filmed that in 2010. So I'm like, that way, when we do the flashback in the sequel, do those 21, you'll look, you'll look yeah. younger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still have that footage. It's ready to go. I mean, I think it's only 1080p, but whatever. We'll put like a blur on it or something. Yeah, yeah why not? You can, you can put like some kind of effect over it to make it look like it's old, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a buddy of mine and this other guy, we actually were developing um, another movie for a couple of years. I, I think it's still on ice. Netflix might do it. We're not sure yet. Um, my buddy's doing like some lifetime movies in the meantime. Um, but oh. we basically, uh, again, it's something you would never, ever guess. It's like one of those like woman in a haunted house kind of movies. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we, yeah, we actually have, well, we never had a the working title was dirt. Um, but it was actually, the premise came from the eBay ghost in a jar listing from like 20 years ago on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually use that but it's actually like a serious horror movie and uh yeah so we we actually made a complete script and everything we just um uh yeah we just never got it off the ground and then of course unprecedented mm-hmm. times happened yeah we were well, looking at, we were looking to do it in australia because they had like stupidly stupidly good film tax breaks which is like like um you know fuck the taxpayer kind of tax breaks kind of like georgia has yeah. um yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I was like, if you went, if you spent a million dollars on a production in Australia, the government would write you a check for four hundred thousand dollars. Holy shit! Wow. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so anyway, probably haven't seen the last of my movies, but it has been a long time since I've worked on one, which does kind of make me sad. Well, and yeah. and that's kind of where I was going to go with uh, with this was talking about unprecedented times and COVID and everything because. You know, after you uh, you know left the Ben Heck show, right? Mm-hmm. And and I mean, it's not like you didn't you didn't stop creating you know mo- like modded products and things like that. Um, so interested to, to dig into that a little bit because I I keep seeing the uh, single handed PS4 controller. Like I, I keep oh yeah back to Xbox that. yeah I, yeah I actually, yeah so um okay so I started doing that in two thousand six it was this guy who just got back from Iraq and he got his arm blown off by a improvised bomb or whatever they call those things. Yeah. And he's like, I got back home and I realized I can't play video games anymore. And I was like, he's right. You can't do that without only one hand. So I made him a prototype and then I put it on my page or my, you, I don't know where I, I probably put it on my website at that time. And then I started getting more and more requests for those. And I just kept getting requests just endlessly and i was i was doing that as well in the back like when i was so yeah when, when i was making possumus woman i would have also been making those controllers actually oh actually what was it um the movie i hope they serve beer in hell i actually made them some props for that movie it was kind of based off the single headed controller work 
So actually, I think that prop that I made for that movie paid for about 80% of the budget of Possumus Woman. Wow. Fun fact. Because wow. it was the same, it was the same year that I that it was yeah, it was 2008. Uh yeah, so there was a time probably like the early 2010s. Um yeah, I was doing the show. I was developing those pinball machines. I was also building those controllers. I was also building testing equipment for the video game industry. I was doing all those things at once and it was ridiculous. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I mean, I was making a ton of money, but so then Felix was one of my coworkers on the show. I actually had him build those controllers for a while, right? Because mm -hmm. he's like, he was like in college and stuff. I'm like, oh, Felix needs more money more than I do. But then when we stopped doing the show, Felix went off and did his own thing. And so then I started doing the controllers again. So I actually still do this. I actually built two of them just today. Oh, cool. Ooh. Yeah. I, actually, last year, I guess because people were playing video games more because they had nothing else to do. I think I last year, I think I built 127 of them. It was like the most wow. ever built in one year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and I, and it's, it's believable. I mean, and with, with COVID and uh, I was actually going to ask you about the like material shortages and if that's played a, a factor in delaying any of that, I mean, well, it's integrated circuit shortages, uh, mm -hmm. shortages more than anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually. Um, yeah. So last year, like, Oh, well, I, I guess, I guess to dial it back. So when I stopped doing the show, I basically was like, screw this. I don't want to like, I was, I was working so hard for most of my thirties. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had a lot of, you know, I was pretty well off. So I'm like, I'm not going to work this hard anymore, at least not for a while. But what I would do is I would, I would still make those controllers. And then I also, I, I do uh, latency testing equipment for the video game industry. I'm doing one right now for Microsoft. Uh, they've actually, they've, they bought a ton of them. Um, and then I also was doing some pinball stuff, which I'm getting back into now. I got like, a gaming development, a Chicago gaming company, and then I'm probably going to do another one that's spooky as well. Uh, which it's, they should be pretty cool. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I, I kept basically kept doing that the whole time. And then, yeah, last year, I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I sold quite a few of them. I, I'm working on a Switch version as well, but I need to do a 3D scan of the back of the controller, and I haven't gotten around to doing that yet. So, yeah. Cool. cool. I, and... That was actually going to lead into where we typically will will wrap things up is mm -hmm. to kind of give you the floor because, um, you know, for folks that may have saw one of your earlier videos and maybe they're finding it again now, interested about where where you're going next, what kind of projects you've got in the hopper, and and where folks can find you. Yeah, well, um, if you want to buy something from me or email me, uh, it's benheck.com, b e n h e c k. H-E-C-K, yeah, <laughs> dot com. <laughs> I'm so, you know, I'm so used to spelling my last name to like whoever on the phone, like H-E-C-K-E-N-D-O-R-N. Yeah. -E <laughs> um, yeah. So then if you want to watch the Ben Heck show, which the channel was renamed into Element 14 Presents, the name of the sponsor. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, that's on YouTube as Element 14 Presents. And so I did that show from 2010 to 2018. And then if you go on YouTube and look for Ben Heck Hacks, that's what I renamed my personal channel. 
which didn't really have much on it. And then of course there was nothing on it the whole, well, there's some stuff about pinball development, mm -hmm. but then in 2018, I started putting videos on there again and it's mostly electronics based, but sometimes they'll be like cooking because I don't give a shit. Yeah. Your <laughs> and, channel, you do you. <laughs> exactly. And I don't, I don't, my YouTube is not like my source, my, I mean, I make some money on it, you know, just like mm -hmm. some fun money, but uh, I don't give a shit, you know, if, yeah. if it makes money or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I just put whatever mm -hmm. on there. But I mean, uh, yeah, like I just did a video, um, a really expensive old HP calculator, and it was kind of like a right to repair thing where it's like, you know, it's not just Apple. There were products in the past that were like impossible to open up, and the video is about that, like a calculator from 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so you can check out that stuff there. And then, yeah, um, also one of the things I've done, I've done recently was I did the operating, the uh, firmware operating system for the new spooky pinball machines. So they, the two new games, they made one based off Halloween, the movie, and then Ultraman. So uh, yeah. that actually, that actually, yeah, the first, the first batch of boards paid for my new driveway. So that's nice. Ooh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's just kind of like boring code stuff, but yeah. So then, um, I am working on because I had my America's Most Haunted pinball machine, so I'm working on designing a new mass market pinball machine. I it probably probably won't see it until like 2022, but it it is in the works. So uh, I look for that down the road too, and then I can take that money and and buy uh, buy I don't know what I even buy with it. I don't, I don't really need it. I just want the money. <laughs> <laughs> I just like collecting money. It's fun. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> hobby. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I can't think of a time we have laughed that hard with a guest on this show, which really is saying a lot because we've had a lot of really good times uh, with the guests we've had on our show, whether it be from other podcasts, uh, voice actors, etc. We've just had really, really good times in here. But man, man, Ben Heck just had us rolling so many times throughout tonight's conversation. And there's even stuff that we edited out that may come back uh, in a bonus episode or two of experiences that Ben Heck has had uh, with other people. And just, you know, what a talented individual Ben Heck is, from integrated circuits to independent films. The guy just kind of does everything, which is super cool. Uh, so please make sure to check him out at Ben Heck Hacks on his YouTube channel, which, you know, could be some hacking or it could be cooking, whatever Ben's in the mood for. And if you want to check out some of that older stuff we talked about, where he made regular consoles into portable consoles, that is on Element 14 Presents, also on YouTube. And I hope you will be excited for, or maybe even check out, uh, his pinball machines he's got coming out with Spooky Pinball and his own independent pinball ideas. And as for us here at the Dissection Crew, we've got a lot of really great stuff coming up too. We have some great guests lined up for October. We have more original ideas that we plan on covering before season one wraps up and we also have a really great creator spotlight coming up we're going to be focusing on some of our favorite content creators uh so until then you know just keep on coming back keep listening to us because you never know what we're going to do next it could be more tv shows could be more video games it could be mark talking about his socks for one hour and 15 minutes but you just won't know that unless you keep on dissecting. <laughs>